Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Buck Angel. Great episode today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's show, I am joined by Buck Angel from Los Angeles, California. Buck, how are you today? Oh, I'm good, Kelly. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm super excited. Really appreciate you joining me. Buck, I've known who you are for quite some time. Um, I remember, I don't know, maybe 10 years, almost 10 years ago, you were on the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, I was. And me and Joe ended up becoming like really good friends. He's a cool guy. And so, of course, that's an introduction to however many people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But then over the past few years, I've noticed the topic of um, transgendered uh, people, but in particular, uh, the impact on the children here in the United States in particular, has become a ramped up, almost like a political uh, type of topic. So you're looked at, I guess maybe it's almost in vogue for someone such as yourself or Blair White mm-hmm. um, yeah. to be maybe two of the very few, uh, yeah. at least vocal representatives who, who represent the side of uh, the trans community that is, I guess you could say, not as uh, woke, and I'm using air quotes when I say woke. What do you think of that description and that introduction, Buck? Well, I think you're pretty right on, dude. But that being said, you know, uh, there are more people like us. I think that they don't have the platform. So luckily that Blair and I have a big enough platform that we're able to have this conversation in a way that, you know, a lot of people in our community don't necessarily 
agree with us. So they attack us instead of having a conversation. But, you know, Blair and I are, we're solid. We're solid in our belief system. We know who we are. We know what we want to do. We care about this community a lot. It saved both of our lives. And so, you know, that's why I sit here today because I don't want it to be, it can't be a one-sided conversation. It can't be, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that's coming out of that community. It's like if whatever community you're in, if you started hearing actual lies and dishonesty, you would step up to the plate, dude, wouldn't you? I would like to think so. Yep. Easier said yep. than done, maybe. <laughs> right? These days. Yeah, These right? days. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But, but I would certainly say that would be the admirable route is if you're, yeah. you know, your group of people is given a negative uh, reputation, you want to step right. up and at least say, hey, uh, I understand some people hold those views, but it's, it's not all of us. That's right. And, and you would be shocked at how many aren't holding those views. But, you know, with this new sort of cancel culture and, you know, you get dragged through the mud if you go against, you know, and that's why it's shocking to me. Trans is not an ideology. It is an actual disorder. It is not something that you pick and choose to be. It is an actual thing that you are and you don't want to be. Nobody wants to be trans. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants diabetes. <laughs> you just get it. It's that's exactly Exactly with the same place I'm in. This is, I did not choose this path. So when I start hearing, you know, and especially it's more about the youth for me, I'll be honest. I, I, you know, adults make dumb choices all the time. And that's, I can't be concerned with that. I've made dumb choices. But as a, but as a person who's been, you know, 30 years transitioned and it saved my life and it's been amazing what transition has done for me, I don't see that happening now. I see kids being lured into a space that is not for them and they should have never done it. And why are we letting this happen? And my, my own community makes me actually ashamed and makes me sad that after to sit here having these conversations because your personal story is so important to you know this entire interview and the narrative um i'll do my version of it and you fill in the holes um where appropriate you are 60 years old Mm -hmm. um you were raised born and raised in california i think in your youth maybe around i don't know seven or eight you started to born a female of course started to identify uh, what could be described as almost like a tomboy yep. or gender dysphoria, whatever verbiage you want to use for it. <laughs> it sounds yeah. to me, based on interviews I've heard with you in the past, your parents were supportive of it. Yep. Um, and what that means, okay, so there's almost like a differentiation here. What supportive yeah. means is they were not saying, oh, you should be ashamed of being a tomboy or anything like that. We're only going to love you if you're a tomboy or we're we're only going to love you if you are more masculine or more feminine or anything like that. They were just kind of supportive of whatever you uh, felt was appropriate for you. Thus far, am I on on point? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's exactly my parents. You know, I, I was born in 62. I was raised in the Valley here in California. And, you know, I, I grew up in a time with no social media and I grew up in a time when tomboys were totally normal. It's normal. I'm sure you've been around girls who, you know, I have two sisters. I have an older sister. I'm a middle child. They were very masculine too. Mm. So we were all kind of raised in a, in a space to be on, on some level masculine. I hate to say that because why can't we just be girls who are, you know what I mean? But my two sisters went on to be very productive women in the world and they're still very masculine for a lack of a better word but that being said i always knew that i was a boy even my parents on some level did you know they just they told me a couple you know weeks ago when i was talking to them they said you know we always thought you were going to grow out of it that's why we just let you be Mm. and that's what i think most parents need to understand your child might actually grow out of it and i could have but it not necessarily it wasn't me i was supposed to be where i'm at but 
That being said, no, never did they try medicalizing me or never did they try. They took me to a psychiatrist, you know, when things started to get a little bit more crazy in my sort of uh, teen years when I started getting a little bit depressed. And, you know, I even tried to commit suicide and I became an alcoholic. I mean, it was just, you know, that period of time that a lot of kids you know, during their teens deal with a lot of stress and you're not just trans people. I think all kids sure. deal with that stuff. Sure. So it sounds to me like you have and have always had very supporting, loving parents. Yes, I have until I became a total jerk. And then I'm the one who put my parents in a bad position. And I take full responsibility for that, you know, and I really understand that. I, you know, it's so sad what I did to my parents. What did you do? I'm not familiar with this part. <laughs> oh, my God. I put them through the ringer. I don't know if you're a parent. I'm a parent. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I, I have three kids, right on. 15, 14 and 13. So I got my hands oh, full. Yeah, right on, my friend. Yeah, mine's 10. So that being said, like now being a parent, I really, really so, you know, I just became a bad person on some level. I started acting out. I became angry. You know, I would push against my parents. I wouldn't show up, you know, when I'm supposed to. I said bad things to them. I was flunking out of, I, I didn't graduate high school, by the way. So I never made it through high school. I, I ran away from home. I tried to commit suicide. I mean, I mean, my I can't even imagine if I had a child like me. And so my parents at, at some point disconnected from me, which what we used to call tough love, right? Where they literally said, you're done. It's you're 18, leave, go. You, you we cannot handle this. And you know, also I was calling home asking for money all the time because I ended up, you know, in on the streets and I ended up like using crack cocaine and really just the depths of hell and lying to my parents about money for phone bills. And you know, my you know, it was just horrible what I did. And they 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 did the, the most amazing thing, which was to disconnect from me. It's the reason I'm alive on many reasons, I think so. Wow, that's an interesting topic. My wife and I were discussing this just a few days ago. She's real mm -hmm. into Jordan Peterson. And one of the things oh, he is, love, he, yeah. are, are you a fan of Jordan Peterson? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And she was telling me, I haven't read as much of his books. I'm starting to read one of them now, but she was telling me that he's a firm believer. And of course, being a good parent, very present, very loving, but you got to have boundaries. And you know, if it turns into a situation, which you're describing, there has is as difficult right. as I'm sure it was for your parents. That wasn't easy. They didn't want no. their their daughter, you know, uh, yep. son to. That was their daughter. Their That's daughter okay. that was their daughter. Their yes, daughter. I was. To mm -hmm. they didn't want to cut you off, but they knew that if they would continue to enable you, that that would That's be bad right. for you in the long run. Interesting topic, right there. It's hard. I mean, again, remember when I grew up, I grew up in the 60s and 70s and there was none of what you see today. My parents struggled with psychiatrists with, you know, and them saying, oh, you know, she's just a very, you know, male identified woman and she'll come aground. And I think eventually they just couldn't handle it because I was abusive. I was actually abusive. So I got sober and through my sobriety, I, I reached out to, back to my parents, you know, and, and really I'm the one who really reconnected and I'm the one who made the effort to have I, such an amazing relationship with my parents now like it's incredible i can't even imagine that i could get to the space with them are your parents still married yeah my parents are still married i think they just had their 65th wedding anniversary wow which is incredible and they're amazing they're 83 years old and both of them and they live out here in california and i visit them as many you know pretty much every other weekend i go out and hang out with them and i you know i love my parents i, I couldn't even imagine uh, what i did to them but we, we've you know we've 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 um we've healed we've healed a lot and they're very proud of me by by doing what i'm doing and being here 
there and talking on all these shows and really, you know, they, 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 they are, they're very proud of me, which is so great. What would you credit them being such, what sounds like such great people? Are they, you know, I don't know uh, what direction you could take this in, but I mean, sure. some people I mean, of course would say, you know, they go to church or they do, you know, they do this <laughs> yeah. or they do that. What yeah. makes them so yeah. great? What's the secret to a long, healthy marriage like that? Right. And how were they right. su- such great, what sounds like great parents? I mean, God, you would love my parents. They're like so cool. So, you know, my dad was a professional football player. He's Canadian. He was a professional football player. And so I, I grew up in a space that was very athletic and very much like, you know, kind of this very average. I have to tell you, I grew up in a very average home, I, you know, middle class America. Both my parents worked. You know, I had to go home and make my own lunch after school, things like that. I think the independence. But I think with my parents, they, they're sort of young at heart, if that makes sense. I mean, they're still playing golf every day. They're like active as heck and they travel everywhere. And, but I think what it is, is that my parents taught me about integrity and my parents have integrity. One of the things my dad always said, or there's a couple of things I'll never forget. One of the things is he, he said, never throw the first punch. <laughs> and I always remember that, never throw the first punch. Uh, but he said, if they do, game on. <laughs> and he said, people will judge you by the company you keep. And those are two very old school things that I do live by today. And I do have integrity. And that I learned from my parents, because I think my parents also have integrity. Wow. Okay. Um, So backtrack a little, you were, um, of course, headed into your teenage years. Mm -hmm. You you went through some troubling times. I think um, you, you were, you were an athlete yourself. Yeah, I was. I, I, I was on my way to seriously like big time athletics and, you know, Olympic things and stuff like that until drugs and alcohol just took me over because I was, you know, I was torn. I was really doing so amazing stuff. I was sponsored by Adidas, Nike, you know, this is in the 70s and I was a female athlete. And, you know, uh, so I was just but I was struggling. I was struggling in my brain. Right. I was struggling with I'm a boy. I'm a boy. And I couldn't say it to anybody because they would just shoot me down you know, or call me a lesbian or call, you know, things like that kind of, not that it's bad, but just wasn't me. And so, you know, they didn't have the tools uh, to sort of deal with me on some level. So it really put me into a spiral, downward spiral of drugs and alcohol. And those were the things that numb, you know, drugs and alcohol numb you. They numb. That's why a lot of youth use them because they don't want to deal with what's going on and the trauma that's around. So I don't really know what my trauma was other than the fact that I, couldn't deal with living as a, as a girl. I That's fair. That's fair. Girl. I yeah. can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. literally, you know, that would be difficult to wrap my head around. You were a, right. a runner. Yeah, I was a runner. I was a, I was a really, really good runner. And so really people just sought me out and it was just amazing. And I loved it. I loved, cause I was really good at long distance running. I mean, my, my race was the 1500 meter and the 800 meter on track, but I, you know, I started running 10 Ks and three Ks and I was just excelling like mad, but, but I look back to, to it and I think to myself, oh, why did I excel in long, long distance running? Remember, I don't know how old you are, but there was a book or a thing called the loneliness of the long distance runner. Okay. And that's really, I don't think I've heard of that. I'm 38 years old. So Oh yeah, you're a, you're a youngster, (laughs) but that being said, look it up. It's a book about, you know, long distance running. And it is true. The loneliness of the long distance runner. And I do believe that on some level that helped me just not be around people because I was not today. I'm so social and all of that, but back I couldn't even be around people. I couldn't talk. I couldn't look you in your eyes. I, so the, the the loneliness of that space, I think, on some level was comforting. 
if that makes sense. Sure. So I yeah. guess thus far, we're moving from your childhood into your mm-hmm. teenage years, right. into your 20s, right. your early 20s. I believe, right. or at what age, you tell me, at what age did you start to identify as a male? Great. So, you know, I always sort of felt it and I always say, call me a boy, right? And call me the boy name, right? And I would do that all the time. When I was growing up, my parents called me Buck and they let me wear boy clothes and it was totally cool and it wasn't even an issue. And then when I got into high school, people wouldn't do that back in the day. So that sort of, but you know, like I wished people would have, but they didn't. So, you know, I think I started to, and then I got, and then I got out of high school and I started, and I met um, gay women. And, you know, I started to identify as a butch gay woman. And that's when people started calling me, you know, the more male name and sort of, I would say, could you call me he, you know, this is way before what you see back in the day. And all the gay women were so mad at me. <laughs> they were like, no, you're a girl and I, you're a woman. You have to, I really tried to accept that. And, you know, I, and I really tried to accept all the things that come along with being a woman, like, you know, your, your breasts and, and menstruation and all the things that are, I struggled so hard with because it did remind me of being female. And so it, it was a it was a while that I identified that way, but there was nothing I could do about it. I didn't know you could have an actual quote unquote sex change back in the day. I didn't know you could go to a doctor and take hormones and look like me. Nobody told me that. Not not one single one of my therapists ever told me that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I struggled. I struggled until I found finally and then I got sober. I got, oh no, I actually became a fashion model, which is so crazy. I was discovered, (laughs) discovered on the streets of Hollywood. And I literally became a fashion model because I saw money, right? And I saw money and drugs and I went to Europe and I didn't fashion modeling, but I crashed and burned from alcohol and drugs. And then they sent me back to the United States and then I ended up homeless on the street and it's my parents weren't talking to me and I became crackhead. I even prostituted for money. And that's when I finally realized if I, I went home with somebody and that I should have never done that because he almost killed me. And that's when I had like an actual like awakening. And I said, oh, my God, if I don't get myself in this out of this space, I'm going to die. I actually had this like vision of dying and it scared me so much that I got sober. And so I've been 30 years sober and that just really changed everything. It gave me clarity. And that's when I started seeking out, you know, how can I fix myself? And then that's sort of where I had a therapist who started to, you know, lead me through transitioning. And she had never done it before either, but she saw and she felt for me and she somehow me and her connected and she knew that I was actually wanting to be this man and that it would change my life. So what, what you're doing here with your backstory is you're painting this picture from all these real life experiences, uh, competing as a a female. Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, Your your experience as a child, uh, having these feelings, your parents arguably handling it as textbook, you know, in a positive way as someone (laughs) could be expected to do. Um, and then this really ends up translating to 20, I don't know when this started, 2016, 2017, and then it's slowly, um, just gained steam, but I I don't want to pass any, any parts here. You were an adult film star for, for some time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then weirdly, so I, I got, I got into the adult business because, you know, 
there were just things I remember I didn't graduate high school, so I don't have a lot of academic, you know, I didn't have a lot of job skill. I was very shy about getting jobs. I would do odd jobs, but I never could really hold a job down. Then I finally found a warehouse job and a warehouse job was very masculine, right? On some level that really made me feel happy. I was in a job moving boxes, right? Like just being a man for lack of a better expression, but, but, and, and, and I loved it. And then, then during therapy, I decided to start going through my transition. And so luckily that job actually let me go through my transition because everybody on the job was like, oh gosh, we totally see you as a dude, big deal. And so from there, I eventually met somebody who was in the adult entertainment business. And then I just didn't know, see anybody like me represented in the porn world. And I know on some level, you know, porn gets a really, porn is a weird space because there are things I dislike about it, but there's things I do think are important about it, but it's a hard conversation because most people find it to be disgusting and, and, and not good, but shameful things like that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a dark side. I, I will never lie about that. There's a hundred percent a dark side, but the reason I did it was because I never saw myself represented in a, sexual space and then to really have to come to terms with my body right because i eventually did have top surgery which is what we call removing the breast mm. double mastectomy but i never did the bottom part because it just wasn't accessible to me so i had to really you know it was hard for me to understand being a man without a penis and how do i have sex and how do i meet a partner and you know because look at me i look like a dude right but uh, they're gonna expect what you have and i don't have it so i I had to come to terms with that on so many levels and it was very difficult for me. And then once I kind of did, it was like, I found, I found this place in pornography that was letting me do what I needed to do and sort sort of just put myself out there and it, it exploded. <laughs> people were like, wow. I mean, people hated me. I got death threats. Well, I got so much stuff. It was crazy, but it was in the beginning of the, of the internet on, so it was 21 years ago. So you know, it was the, the internet wasn't so booming uh, with porn like it is now and so messy. I was doing DVDs and even VHS at the time. So mine's a very small niche. It's not even like I was doing, you know, major mainstream pornography, if, if, or, if, if that. But, I mean, in all practicality, also, there was a stream of income associated with it. It was, right. it was work. I know that sounds... Uh, no, you know, I mean, you're not glamorizing yourself. You just talked about <laughs> you just talked about yeah. using crack and prostitution. That's so, right. I mean, you're not like That's right. blowing smoke to any degree, but it was a stream no. of income. And also it helped you somewhat in a, a way of your evolution with your That's your right. sexual identity. My sexual identity, my body, understanding me being a man without a penis. How do I walk the world that way? Right? How do I even like deal with myself? And it really did do wonders for, for me on so, so many. Yeah. And I built my own business. I built my actual own business that no, everyone always called me a loser. You're never going to be anything. You're going to, you know, fail. You're going to, and I, I had to prove to the world that I could actually be a very successful. And today I'm very successful in all of my, all of my entrepreneurship and everything that I do. I, when my visions always come to life, which I, I don't know how that's possible other than the fact that I'm a happy person. And that, I, I think that's things. a big key is people <laughs> yeah. like talking to you. You're fun to listen yep. to those types of things. That doesn't Thank hurt. You. Who did you get that yeah. from? I think my dad, you know, my dad was a traveling salesman and he was an amazing salesman. So, you know, he eventually owned his own company. My dad built his own company from the ground up as well and very successful company. And so I think because my dad and his sales, I think on some level I picked that up because really what I do is a salesman on some level. Sure. <laughs> um, I, toward the end of each episode, I like to give you an opportunity to mention some plugs, but I know you have a, a website where you have like yep. sex toys. And yep. I think that's one of your, your um, 
businesses yeah. you have right now. Yeah. But before we continue with our conversation, if, if it's all right, could you give a couple of plugs for what you have going right now, oh, your website you. and all that fun yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. So my, my website is buckangel.com where you can see all of my products. And I created the world's first transgender male sexual wellness. I call it a wellness product. So it's basically like a masturbator that helps. A lot of guys like me don't like having a vagina and it's uncomfortable. So mm. it helps you, it helps you not, they don't want to touch themselves. And I, I totally understand that. So I made a product where you don't have to touch yourself, but it, it helps you to sort of have an orgasm. And it really bit blew up. It was crazy. Wow. And okay. Yeah. From there, I just made a whole line and I make all kinds of, you know, products for trans men now, lubrications, body wash, beard oil, all kinds of things that, you know, uh, I'm very lucky. I have a lot of people who really see me and want to help me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all these, you know, I hate to use this term cisgender. I, I don't like it. But that being said, without them, I wouldn't be here. They're, they're my business partners, all, mm. all these cisgender men. Cisgender men are my business partners. And Interesting. Really, yeah, it's amazing. They are just, they see me and they believe in me. And and that's a per- really important part of my story. And that's why I don't disconnect from you. And I don't disconnect and call cisgender people, you know, like as if you're a bad person without you, you know, those are my doctors. Those are my surgeons. Those are my family members, right? Like Mm. I want to coexist in the world with you. I don't want to hate you. Have you experienced, um, in my interview styles, very ADHD. So I bounce all over the place. (laughs) I apologize. Um, That's all good. um, Have you experienced much hatred from like a cisgendered community? Because I know that's a a big part of what's going on is people are called transphobic or homophobic or racist or whatever it is. And unique to you would be more along the lines of transphobia. I, when I see so, I'm very cis, you know, typical white cisgendered male. Yep. I, I see someone who's different than me. I actually try and I expect my kids to be polite to them. It doesn't mean that I'm thinking like, um, you know, do I want to try that or any, that's not even a part of it, but like being right. respectful. Have you experienced much, much hatred? You know, I think early on, especially with the porn. Yeah, of course. That's just because, you know, I think people were just upset and I freaked people out, which I get. It's it's I don't really actually take that personally on some level. I feel like I did something that just made people's brain go. (laughs) What is that? So I, you know, I expect that on on some level. But today, no, I, I have to tell you that the more of the hate comes from the trans uh, quote unquote community. And I never really did receive a lot of hate from 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 the rest of the world. And I think, like I said earlier, I, I want to coexist. I don't think I ever tried to push on you in a way that says, I'm a man, get out of my way. You know, I've always been very honest about myself. And I believe that's why I am where I'm at, because I believe in honesty and I have nothing to hide from you. I don't need to pretend like I'm a biological man. There's no need for me to do that. In fact, I respect my journey. My journey is very important to me. And, you know, being a, a, a woman for half of my life is also very very important to me. And I don't disconnect from that because I think it makes me a, on some level, a very special kind of man. And it also makes me have different insights that not necessarily biological men have. So I, you know, I embrace that. And I think because I do, you like me and you don't feel threatened. You, you, you just don't feel threatened by me. And I think that that's the key is to not make people feel threatened. Hmm. Okay. Very fascinating. Cause it's, yeah. Once again, I have a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and, you know, this past year, for example, they were all in public schools here in Louisville, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. 
and mm-hmm. it's a topic. You know, this is this oh, type yeah. of thing is is, and I'm not saying that it's um, always negative or anything like that, but it's sure. it's discussed. It's a a hot button issue yeah. in 2022. Yeah. It just is. So to it hear is. a different perspective, I think, is very important because when you hear the representation mm-hmm. from the trans community, very rarely is it someone such as yourself or Blair White. That's right. And so that must make you think. I mean, I, I'm like, wait a minute. Why aren't I on any of I only get conservative talk shows and I'm not even a conservative. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm middle ground. I'm sure. full on middle ground. I'm not a dad. De- I, I was a Democrat. I left there. <laughs> was never left woke. <laughs> Couldn't go there. I'm super middle ground. I consider myself a bridge builder at this point. And so, so that being said, yeah, I don't relate to any of that. I don't need to be angry. I'm a very grateful person. I'm alive today and I'm celebrating my life and I don't want Want you to hate me i want you to accept me and the only way you get people to accept you is if you don't push on them so i don't understand why the trans quote unquote community because it's not really a community uh wants to do that and wants everybody to sort of see trans in this way that anyone can be trans that's just not true that is just not true anyone cannot just be trans and why would you want someone i have a disorder why, why would you want somebody to have a disorder right and just so i i have issues about us talking about it to the youth and you know sort of on some level are we indoctrinating people by putting it out so much i'm not sure but i just know that my community has never been this big and the growth of the of the young girls transitioning to be you know boys or men is so outrageous that even i'm like red flags you know like come on man where did that come from and you know, I think it's important to talk about these things, but in a way that's more realistic. I, don't, I, I feel like I said earlier, I don't feel think a lot of, of them are being honest about what's happening. Do you think some trans people, if they listened to this episode and they heard you saying that it's a disorder, would yep. that be kind of like a trigger for them? Would that offend yep. them? Could you elaborate? Yep. Why sure. is it a disorder? Earlier, you compared it to being a diabetic could you see That's that right. where that would be offensive to some? And why do you put it that way? Well, I don't care if it's offensive to somebody, because if it is, then you're not understanding what it means to be a transsexual. So I am. A, so let me just make this here straight. So in case anybody does listen to this, who's in the trans community, I am a transsexual person. I'm not transgender. Transsexual is a person who is a medicalized space who gets an actual a diagnosis from an actual real <laughs> medical professional that's called gender dysphoria. That's a disorder. And that when you get that, you get medicalized. So I'm a medicalized person who takes testosterone because I needed to make myself look like you. I needed to look like a man. I needed to feel like a man and I needed to have surgery to remove my breasts. And if I could have had the penis surgery, I would have, but I didn't. So that being said, that's what a transsexual is. They want to live in a binary space, right? I want to go from living as a woman to living as a man and or vice versa right and then we just walk the world i walk the world as a man i do not walk the world as a trans person that that's actually what we don't want to do we don't want people to know we're trans we want people to look at us as men and women now we have what's called a transgender umbrella and that umbrella encompasses everything you see out there whatever that is and it it can be non-binary it can be you know gender non-conforming it can be trans men and trans women f to i mean there's just layers of stuff going on there and then all the pronoun stuff it, they, them, there. I don't relate to any of that. And none of that makes sense to me. Now, and now you don't even need. So this is the part everyone here really needs to listen to what I'm about to say. They say in the transgender community, you do not need gender dysphoria to be trans. That statement right there 
is so upsetting to me because yes, you do. <laughs> you actually, what are you saying? That's like saying you have diabetes when you don't have it <laughs> or you have cancer when you don't have it. Why would you want to be trans? So that's the schism that is created in our community. And so, you know, there's people like me who are much more into the space of we have a disorder and we've accepted it. And then there's people over there who say you don't need a disorder and that we don't have a disorder. But if you don't have a disorder, and then you're just self-IDing, why? So I don't want this disorder. I wish I never had this disorder. And I wish I was born to, like a man like you. I, I never want to be this. I wish to God I wasn't like this, but I am. And so instead of me struggling, I fix it on some level. But I would never want anybody to go through what I have to go through on a daily basis and also to get to where I'm at. So that's why I think there's a lot of turmoil in our community, because I feel like they're indoctrinating on some level and they want people to be trans. And I'm just like, I have an issue with that. I don't want anybody to be trans at all so it sounds to me like at its core um identifying or admitting that it is as you say a disorder okay mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't mean you're a bad person you're not ashamed of who no. you are that's not what you're saying it's a disorder to where if you could choose you would have been you would have chosen to be born that's a male right. but admitting right. right off the bat you were born a female that's right. You were born a female. You're identifying or that's you right. want to, you'd rather be identifying as a male. Uh, yep. At its core, it sounds to me like that's very important to establish um, yep. uh, then going forward uh, uh, with yeah, every, because, all the other conversation. Now, right. Because now they're saying, you don't, you, you know, biology isn't real. Oh, gosh. You know how upset I get about that? You're, then you're dismantling my whole life. You're dismantling my story. That means you actually don't care about me as a trans person because the whole reason you're trans is biology. Because if there was no biology, why are you transitioning? I mean, I feel like I'm doing circular reasoning. Right? I'm just like going around in a circle and they're trying to tell me I'm a bad person or I'm a transphobe or I mean, I get called transphobic from my own community. I get called turf. I get called all kinds of names because I won't get in lockstep with these people. I refuse to do that. I'm not a liar and a cheater and a stealer. Remember what I told you earlier? I have integrity. I learned that at an early age. Be Speak, you know, stand in truth. Don't stand in lies. And I don't need to lie to you about it. I don't know why they do. So that's where the turmoil in our community is coming from, because many of us believe that these people are doing extensive harm to us and creating a space that people should not be in and they should never be in. And, you know, this stuff is irreversible. And when anyone says, oh, it's reversible, they're lying to you because look at me. <laughs> Do you actually think I could go back to living as a woman? I would be like the ugliest woman in the world. But it's like. It's just lies, complete and total lies. I do not want a young person to get into a space they don't belong. And, you know, it's not just like changing your hair color and putting on a dress or something. It's like, you know, doing surgery and taking hormones. And, you know, I just cannot believe people would lie about the, 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 the damage that this stuff can do to your body and acting like, you know, you can just change your mind at any minute. You can't do that. That's not true. I'm trying to think of a perspective for someone who would be critical of you mm -hmm, um, sure. in order for the conversation. And I think yeah. it's important to say you're not just being dramatic. Instead, I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, you mm -hmm. see that there are, for instance, very high suicide rates mm -hmm. of people who get involved with things like this early. Okay. And maybe that's horribly no. fucking damaging to people. And that's a concern for you.
Well, of course, I tried to commit suicide, but here's where I want to correct you. And here's okay. where I want to correct do. my yep. community. Yep. So they, they always throw these statistics out there, right? Suicide is 40% of trans people commit suicide. If that was the case, wow. <laughs> wow. We would see so many dead people. Where are they? We do not have a 40% rate of suicide. We have a 40%, maybe even around that rate of suicidal tendency or pseudo suicidal ideation, which means you're thinking about it. But then I can say all communities have that. The rest of the LGBT community has that, you know, boxing community has it. So sports community has it right. Like whatever community you're in, suicide is a human thing that people just deal with. And it's not just trans people who have it. And it's not a 40% rate of suicide. They're lying. There is a 40% rate of thought People think about it because they're miserable and they can't, but they're not going through with it because you and I both know if they were going through with it, can you imagine 40% of the trans community has killed itself? We, we would notice that. We would actually notice that. It would be huge. So I don't like that. Again, they're making these statistics up and making people feel as if, uh oh, we better give these kids medicine or they're going to kill themselves. That's mm. not necessarily true. That is not. Not. And they found that giving puberty blockers to youngsters did induce more suicidal tendencies. Hmm. Yep. So They've that studies you, you, you would say that that actually has led to an increase in yes. suicide when you actually medicate someone. That's right. That's exactly right. And they did studies in the in the in Sweden and in Finland where they were giving puberty blockers to young kids for 30 years. They have been doing the studies for over 30 years with puberty blockers. They just stopped doing it because they saw no increase in happiness. They saw more increase in suicidal uh, ideation and suicide in itself. And they realized that, no, it's not actually something that is going to help these kids. But here we are in America literally doing it when we don't even have the research yet. The, pe the two countries that have the most research have stopped it. So that should really re raise red flags to everybody. Why, why are the other countries who have been doing it for so long stopping it, yet the United States is sort of amping it up on, on such a level that it's shocking? Is there any scenario where someone under the age of 18 should be allowed to have, whether it's um, testosterone, if they're a female mm -hmm. transitioning to a male, mm -hmm. or have maybe puberty blockers or anything like that? Or is there a certain age, in your opinion, where it should be, I don't know, 18 or 20? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. What, what I disagree with is youngsters, like under, you know, 10, 11, even 12. I just don't think they're ready to take that journey because it's a life changing, pretty much straightforward journey that you're about to put this kid on. But but I think a 16 year old, I've met a 14 and 15 year old kids who seem really geared and they're 24 and 25 now and they started at 14 and they seem really awesome and grounded. And, you know, so I can tell you it's a case to case basis. I do not believe we are monolithic and I do not believe that we all have the same issues that relate to our dysphoria. It's different. Dysphoria is different for everybody. And so I think the most important thing you get from me right here is mental health care has to be the number one step before anything else, before hormones, before surgery. And, you know, I, there used to be a process that I went through. I, I call it the system. And the system was very rigid. And um, I, you had to go to a therapist for two years. You had to walk and talk and be that man for two years before you would, could even take testosterone. So it was a safety net to make sure, are you really, is this something you really want to do? And I, I, this is why I'm here and why I'm thriving and why I've never looked back. Systems are in place for a reason. 
and they've removed those systems. And that's why we have such a huge rate of these people called detransitioners, because I do think we are pushing it on young people who are not ready to do it. And they think it's going to make their life better. And they think they're going to be so, you know, everything's going to change. And But you're not working on their trauma. You're not working on what's going on in their brain. You're only working on what's going on in the physical. It was, so I use this analogy all the time. If you buy a car, I hope you check the engine out <laughs> and, you know, or let's say a used car, you better look at that engine and make sure that engine is solid and work on that engine. And then you paint it, then you put the tires on it, then you put the interior. But right now they're doing it backwards. They're literally buying the car, fixing the, all the exterior of it and forgetting about the engine. And so the engine is crashing because they haven't worked on their engine. They've only worked on the exterior part. And so that's mental health. Mental health is the engine. And if you don't work on the engine, the car's not going to run and it's going to break down. And so now I'm seeing a lot of breakdowns. And these are like, there's a 30,000, like 30,000 people group called D-Trans on Reddit. That is insane. That is, and go read those stories. It'll break your heart. And it's just not right that these kids have sort of um, been put into a false, you know, hope space. Looks like that makes you a little emotional. That's a serious it issue. It does. I, I could cry. Yeah. No, I, I would cry. I would. I tried to hold it back there for a minute. Yeah, I, I, I'm saddened because my life is incredible. And these kids see me with my life incredible, yet they can't reach or attain that because they're doing it in a way that's false. They're doing it in a way that they aren't necessarily trans. And most of them will tell you, I'm not trans. I was a gay woman or I was this or that, but I wasn't trans. And why was I told I was? And they're mm. pissed. They're pissed and I don't blame them. I'm pissed for them. You know, they took somebody else's surgery who could be using it now and who's struggling to get their surgery or their hormones, but now they can't get it because the detransitioner on some level was pushed into that space before them. And now this detransitioner has no breasts and they're, you know, an 18 year old young lady with no breasts and, and maybe even a hysterectomy. And like, how would you feel? I mean, I would feel so mad right now if that happened to me. So mad. I can't imagine once again. Um, you have been an open book thus far. So to, <laughs> to continue with that theme, if it's okay, I'll ask you even more personal questions. You're right on. <laughs> um, you take testosterone now. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like an injection every week or something? Yeah, I have to do one cc. I do one cc of testosterone every week. Okay. Yep. And you started that, I think, around age 30? Yep. Okay. Yep, I sure did, 30 you, years ago. Yep. You ever do any actual like steroids? Yep, I've done that. I don't do that anymore. I'm getting too old for that stuff. But early on, like, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, I would do total, you know, ser you know, cycles of steroids. hundred. I mean, I was much bigger back then, but uh, much more into like the weightlifting and getting huge. Now I'm much more into fitness and being a much more thinner and, you know, on some level. I'm fit, but not not bulky. So, yeah, I wanted to bulk up and I wanted to be that, you know, dude and as masculine as I could be. So I've totally done cycles of steroids and I'm pretty sure they probably did some damage to my body i was gonna ask you regret doing the steroids no no not at all I, at all it's just this is not something i want to do anymore I, I liked it at the time but it's just not gonna and I, I tell you it didn't make me all angry and crazy people have this misconception about testosterone you know testosterone made me more sensitive <laughs> really <laughs> Really? I'm not even kidding you. I mean, I cry more than I've ever cried. And it actually makes me more grounded and more happy. So 
I want to say to everybody out there, that's not true. But if you're doing like massive amounts of, of testosterone, yeah, you're going to be an animal and you're going to, you know, I did get those angry bouts during steroid times, but now no way. I don't even feel like that. But, but that being said, I don't regret it. I, I liked, you know, I liked all my journeys, even my horrible journeys back in the day. I, I use those now to be a better person. Obviously from that. Right. Yeah, you don't, you don't you. shy away from talking about those. Mm-hmm. That's a part of your no. story. Yeah. Um, the anger bouts with steroids is interesting. I got to hang out here in Louisville many years ago, about 20 years ago with some professional or semi-professional wrestlers who, of course, use steroids. And yep. oftentimes, the ones who did have the bouts of anger would be on steroids, but they would also be on a bunch of painkillers and other oh. things wow. that I witnessed. So yeah. I, I, I've never used steroids, but I believe yeah. that it's not specifically necessarily the testosterone or the steroids. And maybe for you... The testosterone makes you feel more like the way you're supposed to feel. That's right. Therefore, you feel happy. You feel happy. Made me feel happy. I feel grounded. When I don't, when I, if I miss my shot, you know, which happens, I can feel it. I feel like depressed and I feel down and I feel off. You know, that's the thing people need to understand. These are hormones, people. (laughs) This isn't like some kind of, you're going to drink some Kool-Aid. This is actually hormones that, that actually put your body off. If you're not regulating them properly, if you're just putting in this, you know, too much testosterone can come in to be estrogen. And, you know, there's all these things that are off. You have to really make sure that you keep your estrogen and your testosterone levels really, really regulated. And, and that's something that I dealt with early on. And then I had to have a, so I, during my first uh, 10 or 15 years of testosterone, I got something called vaginal atrophy because I, 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 you know, I still have the female parts. And so that being said, it really wreaked havoc on my, on my reproductive system. Cause I wow. didn't have a hysterectomy. So I was getting these gnarly cramps and I'm just like, ah, and I go to the guy. So I had to go to the gynecologist. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh dude, that was gnarly. And I would go and they freak out, but I they, they the would freak here. out because they weren't oh. familiar with you. That's right. And okay. they were like, uh, we don't really want to do, I mean, I had to go to like many because some of them wouldn't even take me in. Wow. That's fascinating. So yeah, they were like disgusted and, and you know, I had to deal with, I'm, I'm kind of a guinea pig on some level. You know, my, even my hormone doctor called me. He said, I don't know what I'm doing. You're a guinea pig. He actually said that to me. So I'm just like, I'm literally a guinea pig. So I, you know, I have to go get a pap smear and that's uncomfortable and whatever. And they can't figure anything out. And so fast forward, one day I just, after the gym, I dropped on the floor and I had a hundred and I think it was eight degree temperature and they rushed me to the emergency. And I remember I was living in Mexico at the time and I'm like, ah, and they're like, what's wrong? And I, and I literally am going, I have a vagina because I know they're going to rip my pants off. And I think they thought I was super delirious because why is this dude saying he has a vagina? Wow. And then I'm just, I'm just like, no, no. And then my partner, she's, you know, she's like, no, he's a transsexual man. And long story short, they had to just do some major, I, I had literally atrophied. And he, the guy said, if I didn't come into the hospital as I did, I had five more minutes, I would have probably died because I became septic. And um, it was a nightmare. And I was the first recorded case of atrophy due to testosterone on a female reproductive system. And again, being a guinea pig, but here I am alive. But, you know, so that's my point being is this stuff isn't a joke. <laughs> it's actually insane. So when you start giving it to young people who have a healthy body, right, we, we got to understand what that actually means. And what are the long term effects? We still don't know, you know, the long term effects of what this will do to our bodies. And that's why I think it just feels so willy nilly sometimes to me like don't you can go 
on the internet now and you can actually go to a website and have an intake with a doctor and tell them you're trans and you want testosterone. And then they'll say, okay. And they mail you testosterone in the mail. Wow. Unbelievable. Under the age of, I mean, young, young, you have to be 18 or older. Okay. Okay. And you think even for an adult, there should be more put into it than that. The car reference you used earlier, you need to have a a psychological or psychiatric evaluation and maybe at some point, but by all means, it should not be that easy. No way. These people don't know what's happening with those tests. I don't even, I've been on it for 30 years. Right. But I may, I really make sure I'm healthy. But that being said, no, of course, this kid's going to get excited, right? I want it. Let's just sell crack on the internet. <laughs> you never tried it. Well, I'm going to go to this website and I'm just going to, I mean, it feels like the same thing to me. It's this controlled testosterone is a controlled substance for a reason. If it wasn't, then we would just make it available at, you know, Walgreens or whatever. So it's not, it's a controlled substance. How can, how can we be selling it like that so easily to young, impressionable, you know, kids that's just upsetting to me um another question regarding your test your 30 years of testosterone uh, treatment is was that covered by insurance nope i had to do it all out of pocket at the beginning and all the way through till today yep that's right i mean today if i wanted to get it covered by insurance i probably could but i just don't go through the system is it expensive um, it can be. I mean, you know, not really. I think you get a, a 200, a 200 milliliter bottle, I think can run, run anywhere between 150 to $200. And that, I think that tends to be like 10 or 15 shots, maybe. Okay. So that's 10 or 15 that weeks. Yeah, that's right. So, so, you know, it just depends, but I think insurance and not all states though. So remember it, it, things are state to state here. So not all states are okay with, yeah, with that. And I think some states, uh, make you go through, uh, a, a valuation before you can actually get the time, but no, but no, that's not true actually, because you can just go on the internet now. So no, anybody can get testosterone anytime they want <laughs> pretty much, but they're paying for it. You know, yeah, out like, of pocket. No, these, actually, these things take insurance. Mm. I'm t- it's money making. So, so they connect it to the insurance company. You know, I'm partly I do believe some of this is 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 monetary. It is. It has to be. There's no way like this stuff is moving so fast. And all of a sudden, of there's this push That's out of right. nowhere, and there's no dollar signs attached. <laughs> right. We're all doing it out of, for goodwill. Yeah, yeah. The Biden <laughs> right, administration you know. all of a sudden. <laughs> It's like, no, we care about the youth more now. Yeah, and this yay, is what, yeah, yeah. And, and what's her name? Dr. Rachel Levine. We, we need to give kids a free pass and they need to be let go on what they need to do. I'm thinking, wow, is this actually coming out of the government? That is shocking. First off, this is a disorder. Why is it in the why is it in the politics? Why are we talking about my disorder in a way that is just so upsetting to me and that we're being used as a political pawn? There's no doubt about it. And I'm insulted by that. I'm insulted by Dr. Rachel Levine doing those things that that needs to be kept in a space that just trans people talk about. The world doesn't need to be talking about our health situation and that this is a very private, personal space that we go into so that all of these things as an older person i see some weirdness there and some desire to push this in a way that says money to me so it does not sound like you're a fan of dr rachel levine no not at all and you know whatever she's a trans person i don't care it doesn't mean i have to like her right it's like saying you have to like every white dude out there you know what i mean if you're a black person you have to be all (laughs) you have to be like all liking black people come on every community has 
people that they don't all like each other or have different opinions. My, my, my community is not monolithic. I'll keep saying that. We have different political spaces. We have different ideas, but they want you to be in lockstep mm. because they, they, to me, that's not a community. To me, that's something else. And it's like, if you don't get in step, then you're a bad tranny and you get killed and you get, you know what I mean? You get put over here and, and you get time out. And that's not community. That's something else. It almost reminds me of someone like maybe an African-American and not to make this political, but Larry Elder, sure. for example, who's a, yes. a black man that's who right. identifies as a very conservative Republican. And that's then right. he just gets all this hate because, oh, no, you're a black man. You're supposed to be a Democrat. So do you see the par <laughs> parallel there? No, I say it all the time. Do you know who Officer Tatum is? Like Officer Tatum, yep. he's awesome. And I did a debate uh, thing with him. He's so great. Me and him totally are good friends. And then like, you know, Candace Owen, she gets all kinds of nonsense from people. It's like, she's a, so I don't care that she's a black lady. She's allowed to have her own <laughs> opinion about things. And, you know, she cares about the community. That's why she does that. I care about this community. It's not, I'm not sitting here talking to you because I don't care. I sit here and talk to you because I care and I want the world to care. But I see us losing allies we're losing people like you because what you see representing me is mm, wing nuts okay and i don't want wing nuts representing me i want real people representing me and so now i have to step up to the plate because i don't like my representation so that's you know if you put flip that back over on the black community it's the same with them they don't like the representation that they're being represented as black people so they stepped up to the plate and i i don't i don't know why people get so mad about that it's like no if you don't like the way that they're saying step up and speak for your own self but We've become this really weird country that is upsetting to me because I thought we lived in a free country where we're allowed to have different thoughts and be, and that's why I live here. I should just, maybe I should just move back to Mexico. <laughs> you did live in Mexico for some time. Yeah. Did you have a good experience and, there? Oh my God. I kind of bummed I moved back, to be honest with you. But oh yeah, dude, I had, the, I lived in the Yucatan in, 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 in Mexico. It was, a, it was like living in paradise. It was yeah, it was a phenomenal experience for me. I will never say anything other than that. It, it changed my life totally. Do you learn a little bit of Spanish? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I didn't when I moved there, but when I when I moved there, I just got, you know, I just sort of put myself into the space. And that's how I learned Spanish by just sort of being a part of the people. And, you know, they helped you and they're so beautiful and sweet and nice. And I felt very welcomed there. Never did I feel unwelcomed. I feel more unwelcomed here on some level than I did there. Well, you live in Los Angeles. Yeah, I live in L.A. Yeah. OK, yep. so I can see yep. where if you're not fitting into a specific uh, box in Los Angeles, like that's the the transsexual uh, guy uh, who, who kind of hates all the other trans people. Yeah. That's kind of what you're probably just, labeled as. Well, you know, I, I, I'm totally labeled a transphobe and I'm labeled a traitor and I'm labeled all these things. I got labeled a traitor when I transitioned to be as a man out of the lesbian world. So I, all of this isn't new. You know, I got labeled many things as a pornographer. I have a tough skin. Let me tell you, I'm a pornographer. You can't take me down. You can't cancel me. I'm like at the lowest of low on some level, right? So it doesn't matter. They can say whatever they want. I'm willing to stand up to all of it. And that's why they fear me. They fear me because they know I live in my truth and I live in the truth and I will not be told what to do or how to be. I survived to this space for a reason and no way will I let people tell me how to live my life. Anybody, I don't care who it is. You said you did not get the bottom surgery because right. it was not an option for you. Does that mean it's not an option 
really a viable option for anyone in 2022. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, it's a difficult conversation because I, I, I don't want to disrespect anybody's choices. Right. But so so for my own place, yeah, I, I just didn't like what I saw and I didn't like that it wasn't functioning. Right. It doesn't function like a man's penis. It's and you have to like take out, you know, stuff from your arm and your leg. And you know, it's a, an experiment still on some level. And there's like seven stages that you have to go through and some and, you know, it doesn't necessarily get an erection and you can lose your sensation to have an orgasm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, first off, you just said, lose your orgasm. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, I, I want to keep that. Thank you very much. So, so, but there are guys who do it. And I do think it's advanced on some level, but I'm not sure from what I've seen that it's advanced enough that I would even consider doing it at this point. And at this point, I'm so, un- I'm just comfortable. It doesn't, it's not like I walk around like needing that situation. It's just not, I'm just, I've just really learned to, you know, I, I sort of sometimes think like, what if I was born without legs, right? I would have to figure out how to walk the world that way. And people do all the time. So why can't I figure out how to walk the world? This that, 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 that surgery is just way too intense for me. I, I, I don't think I could actually handle going through all of that. So, you know, but some guys do and I respect their choices because we all have choices and that's okay. So it sounds like the deciding factor there was when they said, okay, you might not be able to have an orgasm anymore. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I, I don't think I w- feel the need right. to risk that. So we'll circle that's it back right. to a plug to buckangel.com. You are in, you. able to enjoy Yes, uh, um, I have great orgasms. sex. I have a gr- you know, I'm married. I have a great partner. We have great sex. There's not nothing. We have a very healthy relationship. Like no, and you know, sex is part of that. And so I do think that some people in my community um, are so distanced from that, and they're not. Mm. And I do think that it's healthy. I think sex is very healthy, and it really helps you connect to your body. And so I sometimes wonder: is it because people are not connected? They're so angry about the world. Why are they so angry? You get the opportunity. I I, I don't understand it because you have so many opportunities that I never had. And so, you know, you get insurance paid for, you get opportunities. There's so many surgeons now there's, you can go on the internet and get your testosterone. I would be jumping for joy, but they're angry. So Mm. I'm like, what? This is so weird that you're so angry and you shouldn't be that. Those are another of my red flags. I'm thinking to myself, how am I the happiest tranny in the world? And I, I did it 30 years ago. And these kids are just like, think everybody's against them. You know, they think the world is against them. And I think that that they're being taught bad behavior from this community. So I'm going to attempt to summarize your stance on the recent surge in uh, the number of kids who are starting to identify as transgender or part of the trans yes. community, you don't think yes. it's necessarily bad that they're having those thoughts. You would encourage yeah. them if they're eight years old or 10 years old, whatever it is, but a kid to um, get in touch with a med- uh, mental health professional to talk about it. Of course, mm-hmm. hopefully to have supportive parents who don't say, oh, yep. it would be bad for you to identify as the opposite gender. That's bad or anything That's unhealthy bad. like that. But to pump the brakes on rushing to, um, you know, right. uh, 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 puberty blockers or testosterone mm-hmm. at that young of an age. That's your main focus, I believe. A hundred percent. I'm hundred percent. We'll say it right here. I'm against purity blockers. There's not enough research. If, if you just do research on Lupron, which I've done a ton of my own due diligence on that. I have a lot of people who've been on Lupron, specifically women who have sent me all kinds of information on how it's destroyed their bodies, how they cannot function in life. And I'm thinking, this is the same nonsense they're putting on children. Mm. What? 
What's so it called? Yeah, Lup- Lupron? It's called Lupron. And I, if you, anything you need, I can send you all kinds of amazing information. So L-U-P-R-O-N, Lupron, which is really basically was made for to help women with, you know, um, problems down there like endometriosis and all kinds of stuff and it just destroyed these women and you know that actual company that made it uh went, had a lawsuit against them for it and they had to pay out some insane millions of dollar lawsuit and all they did is went out and changed the name of their company and re brought it back on the market that should that should actually scare you wow and then they want to give it to kids so yeah there's not enough research and people in my community are lying when they say oh they're safe and it's it's reversible. I'm like, really? Go and read all these stories from women who took it, how their bodies are destroyed. So how come it would destroy a woman's body? It's not going to destroy a child's body and puberty, my friend, puberty. We all go through puberty. You, when you block puberty, you are blocking something that is very detrimental to the growth of this human being. It's the pituitary gland, which creates everything you see there, right? So when you start to take away that growth period, they're like saying it, what they're saying, which is again, a lie, it stops puberty, right? So let's say you stop puberty at 10. And then let's say you want to pick it back up. Let's say they decide I don't want to be on it anymore at at 11. So that year they were on it, they act like it's just going to go back to that. You've lost that year of puberty. You will never get back. It is impossible to bring that back. That's just basic logic right there. I'm not even a doctor. I can tell you that. So that's why I'm against it because I don't believe that those children can consent to that. Who's consenting to that is the parents. Mm. So yeah, and parents are being told really gross stuff. Like if you don't give it to your kid, they're going to kill themselves. And you know, come on, man, okay. that's coercing. That's coercing. A, I, I would, I, if you told me my child is going to die right now, if I don't give him the medicine, I'm going to give him the medicine. Okay. Okay. So it's from yeah. the top down. It's feeding yep. into this woke yep. ideology. That's like, that's Hey, right. you got to do this or you right. basically hate your kids. They said this, they that's, said that. That means right. you need to give them the medicine. That's right. That's exactly right. How gross is that? If, if, if you have to coerce somebody, then, then what's going on here? <laughs> you should never have to coerce somebody to take something or to make up lies. There's no need for that. If, if it's a real thing, if your child is actually trans, which I think a lot of them aren't necessarily trans, they, are, they might have dysphoria. I don't call them trans kids. I call them kids with dysphoria because immediately you pigeonhole them into trans. These could be gay kids dealing with some dysphoric stuff going on with their bodies or whatever. Just because you have dysphoria doesn't make make you trans it depends on the type of dysphoria you have and what's going on and an eight-year-old me and you have kids dude <laughs> right come on man my 10 10 year old's continually changing his his mind every day and i'm just like come on man i'm sitting here in life with the kid and i coach soccer right and i'm around the kids and nope sorry don't believe it don't don't believe the rate at the kids are trans or transitioning is is actually real i don't believe it Great stuff. Buck Angel. Buck, I really appreciate your time. Great conversation. I mean, I think it's the type of message that should get more attention out there. Unfortunately, I don't know, you know, if it is out there quite as much as it should be. So I really appreciate you coming on, Buck. I hope to speak with you again at some point soon. Thank you very much. Before we wrap things up, buckangel.com. Buckangel.com. And I'm on Instagram, Buckangel, Twitter. Oh, watch out for Twitter. <laughs> That's where we met. Yeah. Twitter, Buckangel. And then I have Facebook, but I can't stand it. It's Buckangel official. But, you know, okay. if you want to connect with me, connect me on my website or Instagram or Twitter. Thank you so much. I appreciate you bringing me on and letting me have a conversation with you. And I hope some people out there can really hear what I'm saying as a person who cares. It's not, I'm not against the community. I care about the community. Sounds like it to me.
I love it. Well, Buck Angel, thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.